When I was a girl, I fell in love with finding secret things. Some of the biggest secrets are right in plain sight. We don't see them because we can't see them. We've been taught not to see them. They're willful secrets, chosen secrets, blind spots. And the biggest blind spot of all is how society impacts men and what ignoring that impact means for all of us. Like a furry torpedo to the jugular. This is Honey Badger Radio. Radio Bite. Hello and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Allison Tiemann and with me is Hannah Wallen and Brian Martinez. And we will be your hosts for this week's HBR Digest, where we go over the last week in Badger. As always, if you want to support the show, mosey on over to feedthebadger.com for a number of exquisite and delectable feed oppins. 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 Poppins, pop them in my, uh, and if you'd like to take a get a taste of our community, please head over to fe- badgernation.online and enjoy our public square. Feeling the social isolation blues? Have fun with fellow Badger fans. So feed the badger.com to make sure these shows keep coming and badgernation.online to sample the fun in our community. Now on to the shows. Brian, I think you're I mm. think you're quite used to this by now. I don't even have to say it. I'm I'm sure you're already tensed and ready to go, ready to dart out of the starting gate. So tell us about the first show of the week and who you spoke with and why you chose to spoke speak with them and how it went. <laughs> why I chose to spoke with them? Okay, um, all right. All right. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> I'm having issues with my uh, linguistical with the capabilities talking today. And the mouth thing and the noises, mouth noises. You'll get back to it. It's like riding a bicycle, which is why he chose yeah. to spoke with him. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, so, actually, last week's uh, Fireside Chat guest was, uh, unlike most guests, which tend to be, you know, people with their own platforms or people who work in, uh, you know, fields professionally, this person was actually just an MRA that had an interest in discussing uh, men's rights from a more spiritual or religious perspective. He was uh, commenting on a post that I made on my Facebook page, and he basically was saying something to the um, effect of, you know, um, I, I think that there's an important link between men's rights and religion that isn't being talked about enough, and I think that we need to, you know, discuss it. And I... I said, you know what, I'll, I'll have you on the show and we can talk about it because I'm not against having these conversations and uh, I think that it could be really fruitful. So I spoke with Aaron Thompson, who um, I believe that he's in several sort of religious groups. I noticed that uh, he's, I believe, converting to or has converted to Judaism and wanted to sort of discuss the importance of or essentially the importance of religion in the larger context of men's issues. And I said, okay, well, let's hear it out. So I had a conversation with Aaron Thompson and uh, we sort of, you know, talked about these ideas, put them out there for the community. I I challenged them on a few things, you know, because I know that there's a significant number of people in the men's community that are secular and probably a majority that, you know, regardless of what their uh, spiritual beliefs may be, don't they they themselves don't see a link between these two things and so i wanted to basically start having that conversation so that was my uh show for monday all right and if you'd like to hear more about well well, aaron thompson and uh and men's men's issues and aaron thompson 
Then stay tuned for Is There a Relationship Between Men's Rights and Religion? Aaron Thompson Guests. Aaron Thompson Guests. So guests is a verb. He guests. <laughs> yes, he All does. Right. He, okay. he guests. He does the guest thing. He guested. Fireside yes. Chat 169 with Brian Martinez. Nice. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Brian, and this is the Fireside Chat. And today I'm here with Aaron. Is that how you say it? Aaron Thompson. Yes. And uh, Aaron, you are a blogger and a men's rights advocate. Um, is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Much. And um, I want to give you guys a little bit of backstory as to why I'm speaking with Aaron. I have all of his contact info. Uh, in uh, it's on the screen as well as in the description so you guys can follow up with him talk with him or what have you i sent you that uh i guess it's a meme from um from uh our new uh beloved president's um what uh facebook page that says believe in science yes um, and it it amounts to people literally you know, kind of worshiping science as a religion and yes. worshiping, uh, you know, uh, which is, which is that, and that is also based in a false appeal. It's part, it's, it's part of this social engineering thing is the believe yeah. in science thing. Yeah. I, you know, I've talked about this a lot though. I, I, I recognize that a lot of, you know, a lot of the early science, if not most of the early science came from you know, religion and people, or, or at least people who were religious, if not the church itself. Um, and it came from, uh, you know, like it, it, it's not, it's not something that exists separate from it. And I, and I've talked about how, um, you know, there is this concerted effort from science worshipers that uh, they, they have, especially, you know, in the last maybe hundred years, where they've tried to create this distinction between science and religion as though they are mutually exclusive ideas. And I knew that they weren't. Like, I knew that that doesn't... Even Carl Sagan, I've, I've often quoted him. Carl Sagan, the very famous astrophysicist that had, like, a series called The Cosmos, talked about... Be, what? I used to be a big fan of his. Yeah, he talked about God in his series. He basically said, you know, despite everything that he knows, essentially what he says is, despite everything I know, I know one thing I know I know is that I don't know anything. That makes sense. <laughs> essentially, he acknowledges, in his mind at least, the existence, it, all of the work he's done only confirms for him the existence of a higher power, which was not considered to be a, a, an extremely like um, controversial thing to say in the 1970s. But apparently, and I only I made this statement because I watched the new Cosmos, which was put out on Netflix that was hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson and Neil deGrasse Tyson, despite the fact that, yes, I know he's really smart and he knows his stuff when it comes to astrophysics and all that. But the thing he's best known for is basically all of the little clips of him debating creationists and, you know, um, and this kind of stuff that that they basically took science not only as a discipline, 
but as uh, just the word itself has a completely different meaning it's no longer a practice it's no longer a thing that is exclusive or I'm sorry that is, that is uh, any something anyone could do it's something that seems to exist in a certain like you know ivory tower intelligentsia you know left wing like uh, uh I don't know like it it's it sort of exists in that in that chamber and it's used against people who they consider to be political enemies um and this is what they did like the cosmos remake again it had some cool stuff in it but there was a lot of narratives against the church against the men against you know the west and it was sort of really unnecessary um and i was bothered by it because i could tell what they were doing you know they were they were trying to get people to first off see a distinction between you know spirituality and science and say you you're either in one or you're in the other and and you can't like be in both places at the same time because they're mutually exclusive ideas they're 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 in they're you know opposing forces right and they obviously straw man it's just like they do with mras and everything else and they've been working on this for a while so that you have this idea like the the believe the science claims it's basically a tool to control people that just like what's going on with covid and all of that so men's rights is ultimately about liberty which only comes from recognizing what rights are and recognizing what the the obstacle to those rights are and maybe maybe that's why the in in your view the religion aspect is necessary because you need it to recognize those uh um inherent god-given rights does that make sense yeah in terms of just basic social cohesion um i would argue it's necessary uh and that is natural to man um and i know uh, like i i know a lot of people who who identify as Christians who are libertarians and, and they believe that all religion is slavery. Uh, some of them I've, I've communicated who? with. Uh, Atheists? Uh, no, no. The actual Christ, people who identify as Christians. but they're Oh, so they, they think of it as sort of like a submission? Yeah. And like, my, like, my, like Islam? They, or is that also not right? Well, I mean, any religion. That they believe okay. is slavery, even even the re religion of Christianity, and my, um, I guess, uh, my uh, argument against that is is um, that again, you know, it 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 goes down to basic social cohesion. It's like you know, I've listened to Stefan Molyneux for years, and he talks about this on his channel. Um, you know, um, we haven't really found anything else that addresses different issues relating to morality and things like that mm -hmm. that that, that does anywhere near of a, a, the job of, of replacing religion and i you know i just doubt we ever will i think again it's natural to man and um when you say it's natural to man you mean that if you if you take um religion out of a person or society they will find something to replace it with exactly yeah and yeah. that usually becomes the state or some or women or things 
right? Yes. Okay. I just want to get an idea of what you meant by um, it's in the nature of man. Yes. And, and so, you know, it, yeah. So in that context, it, it, it does. Um, and in the context, again, of, of um, you know, people not, I mean, I think what, what makes people enslaved um, and what, what leads towards, you know, slavery of the mind and towards um, freedom from self, because I, I, I would also argue that that is based in slavery of the mind in a huge way, um, mm -hmm. is a false appeal to authority. And if you have, um, it, 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 religion provides people with, with a um, real, you know, appeal to authority in, in, the, in terms of a higher power. Mm -hmm. How, and, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. And so in that context, yes, I believe it could, it does lead to liberty in the sense of freedom of self and freedom, uh, you know, the, the ability to think and the ability to learn in the context of, of the trivium method. And uh, because the trivium method is based in learning how to think and learning how to learn. Whereas, you know, the, uh, the current, the, uh, the, pr the present day academic system is based in, uh, in being told what to think. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just, you know, I'm not against science per se, like doing science, but that's all it is. It's not something that's intended to be worshipped. However, you know, the people who, people who are uh, attending the public universities today and, and even, uh, even, even uh, elementary, you know, just any public schooling are uh, being essentially conditioned into being told what to think through what amounts to be postmodernist science. And, yeah. you know, and that is how, you know, that, that is materialist dialectics manifest as far as I see it. What is it that uh, people who are, um, you know, either more secular, agnostic, or even straight up like atheist that also care about men's issues, like what, what would you say to those people? Well, as far as people who just, you know, who are just interested in, in learning about, you know, various concepts relating to religion and, um, you know, the church and uh, religious teachings and, and so on and so forth. If you separate men from God or the infinite or the... Well, what we know about Christ is what he symbolizes is the ideal masculine, right? He's like the perfect man. And men are supposed to admire him so that they work to try to be as much like him as they can be. And as long as there is a Christ as a goal, then women can't become like the distraction, I guess, a diversion from that. But when you take God out, men worship women. And when and I think that that's what Pete Peterson is talking about in a way. So if and if men worship women, then they lose a connection to their to their masculine self and they become simps and betas and male feminists. And, it, it, and, and like you said before, they don't even have to be male feminists because we have like generations of men 
who may consider them, who may call themselves conservative, who may call themselves libertarian, who may be anti-feminist even, but they still have this perhaps unhealthy relationship with women because they don't have a relationship with themselves, with the transcendent male, if that makes sense. I don't, just something I just was thinking about because when we were talking, I thought about Peterson's comment about women are of the earth, women are of the earth, which means they are of the material, right? Yes. Of the material. And men are, uh, you know, at least the, the ideal masculine is transcendent. So I don't know. I mean, that's just something I'm thinking about. If you have, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I um, always refer people. One thing I have learned is, is um, the teachings in Proverbs, I believe 31, in terms of uh, like, for example, what, what, what is, you know, the, um, what makes the ideal marriage between men and women and, and the roles of men and women in marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, as far as what Jesse Lee Peterson is saying, I mean, what, what immediately um, brought, what, what was brought to mind for me was just the, the you know, Adam and Eve. Yeah, well, that he's the, the he's using the Adam and Eve story as yeah. like the means by which to launch into it, but he doesn't. I don't think he's simply taking it at face value. He's extracting what he believes is the wisdom for that story is trying to communicate. Like you mentioned, Cain and Abel, and I have said that I think that all of the problems that we're experiencing, all of the all of the issues that we're having, is a product of. The, the you something we can learn from the Cain and Abel story basically um you are either a Cain or you are an Abel basically and um there is a uh maybe you know it, I, I think that there that 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 is what is being communicated like you know th there were probably countless stories that were told in the oral traditions and only the ones that had the most Utility are the ones that get passed in and they get written into books like the Bible. So I think there's a reason for that. Um, I think it's because they work and they're saying something important. Brian, again, it is you. And we are talking about the news show. So tell me about the news topics that you selected and why you selected them. I'm sure they were very fascinating. They are, well, no, no sarcasm detected there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we talked about on the news show, uh, there was a number of things. I think the, uh, one of the big stories is, um, Australian TV presenter and game show host, Andrew O'Keefe, who has, he was a, um, you know, part of the white ribbon campaign and a staunch male feminist figure. And, uh, also, you know, he held such misogynists as, uh, Paul Elam and Cassie J's feet to the fire, for caring about men's issues and uh, obviously, you know, cares a lot about women's issues, in particular violence against women. He has found himself accused, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, charged with assault against a woman. And not that we wanted to delight too much in the schadenfreude here, but we had to discuss it considering who is involved. Uh, in addition, 
we talked a bit about how uh, Rashida Tlaib, on behalf of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, these are two members of Congress, also part of a sort of subgroup known as the Squad, uh, helped to sort of like continue to sell a victimhood narrative, which turned out to be uh, mostly bogus. No, actually, just completely bogus. That AOC had about put out say. about her. Yeah, just completely bogus. Um, and But she's doubling down. So she's got her friends to come out and cry with her. And I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about how absolutely genocidal crocodile tears can be and how this is an extremely messed up way to look at, um, you know, the way in which we conduct ourselves uh, politically. Then we have a story of this <laughs> interesting new factoid, which is that uh, female soldiers in the military, um, despite the fact that, you know, we're going to be sending more people into war zones to probably die for uh, no good reason. But at the very least, they'll look fabulous while they're doing it because female soldiers will be, in fact, allowed to wear makeup as well as uh, uh, nail polish and various sort of atypical hairstyles outside of the power bun. And uh, we all know that, that that's really where the priority should be. Uh, in addition, we have a story, um, a couple more. One uh, about this new Chinese drive. So in the country of China, there's an, uh, they're promoting an education drive to make boys more manly. And we talked a bit about that, but but you'll, you may find that our take, or at least my take, is not quite what people would have uh, would expect. So I talked a little bit about that. And then finally, we have the story of uh, the parlor CEO, John Matsey, who has announced his termination uh, from the, the company. And we talk a little bit about where the company of parlor is and what its fate um, might be. So those were basically the news stories. Oh, sounds interesting. You got a little, you dropping a few little teasers in there. And uh, just just to, just to whet the appetite to watch the full right. thing. So Trying if you want to, wanna, if you want to, if you want to find out, want to uncover all of those teasers, then stay tuned for AOC doubles down on victimhood. Let's get the full name. Uh, uh, oh, Andrea. Oh, what's your Andrew, name? AOC. Andrew O'Keefe. <laughs> Andrew oh. O'Keefe. No, A A A O C, not Andrew O'Keefe. Oh, oh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I only have so many characters that I can fit into the title. So just remember, AOC is not A O K. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Andrea. <laughs> Alexandria. Alexandria. Ocasio. Ocasio. Cortez. Cortez. Although Doubles I've often down. heard her called Alexandria Occasional Cortex. Yeah, <laughs> I like uh, Alexandria Ocasio Chavez. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Doubles down on victimhood. China's Man Up Initiative and Andrew O'Keefe, known feminist respect, 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 women respecter, respect the women, women respecter charged with assault against a woman. He respected her really hard. <laughs> I don't know. Probably in his mind, it was justified because patriarchy. You just got to keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it until you get it right. Until, until they they stop asking questions. Respect her right in the face. Yes. He was doing a he was doing an aggressive exorcism of internalized misogynies. Mm-hmm. Just like all women deserve. Now from you feminist understand. Men. 
Good, good, strong exorcism of internalized misogyny from feminist men. All right. This is HBR News 293 with Brian Martinez, Mike J, Hannah Wallen, and Dr. Anamarkam. This is HBR News number 293. AOC doubles down on victimhood. China mans up. Andrew O'Keefe charged with assault, where we reflect on the stories of the week and give it the badger treatment. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. Hope you guys are doing well this week and that you are laughing at all of this craziness so that it does not drive you, in fact, crazy. I am uh, Brian. I don't I don't I don't really want to add anything to it. So I'm just Brian. I'm just the guy. And I am joined by, as always, my austere patriarchs and our handmaiden, Hannah, Mike J, and Dr. Randomercam. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez organized a therapy session for lawmakers to share their thoughts and experiences during the January 6th Capitol breach. Sounds like something that would happen in a college campus. AOC has been criticized for the claims that she made about that day and asserting that her life was severely endangered. In her speech during the session, AOC warned, quote, some are demanding that we move on or worse, they are attempting to minimize, discredit or belittle the accounts of survivors. Where have you heard that language before? In doing so, they not only further harm those who were there that day, but they also send a tremendously damaged message to survivors of trauma, end quote. In the same speech, AOC asserted that the January 6th attack was, quote, violence deliberately incited by the president of the United States, end quote. And by president, we don't mean Biden. We're talking about the guy before. Michigan Democratic Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, also a member of the squad, teared up as she expressed that she was the subject of frequent death threats, notified of one even before she had been sworn in on her first day of Congress. As cited by the Washington Examiner, Talib continued, I hope I'm not butchering her name because it's spelled funny, it's like T-L-A-I-B, Talib, continued, more came later, uglier, more violent, one celebrating and writing the New Zealand massacre and hoping that more would come, Another mentioning my dear son, Adam. She paused, tears coming through. Mentioning him by name, each one paralyzed me each time, adding, quote, the trauma from just being there, existing as a Muslim, it is so hard. I ask my colleagues to please try not to dehumanize what's happening. This is real, end quote. Another Democratic representative, Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, asserted that, quote, there were people dancing to music inside the White House watching the activities of the attack here. Adding to the paranoia, another Democratic representative, Adriano Espilat of New York, pressed, quote, we must have a deep dive, a deep investigation into what occurred. Did any of our colleagues text, email, or tweet the whereabouts of Speaker Pelosi? Did anybody tweet or share information about the labyrinth of tunnels and hallways in this Capitol building? They seem to know their way around. Uh, Australian television presenter and game show host arrested last week in Sydney. Police allege O'Keefe assaulted his supposed girlfriend, Orlia Lavie, 
In a statement from police, quote, just before 1 a.m., officers from Eastern Beaches Police Area Command attended a Randwick apartment unit after reports a 41-year-old woman had allegedly been assaulted in a domestic violence-related incident. Following inquiries, police arrested a 49-year-old man nearby around 3.30 a.m. He was taken to... Marobra? Marobra? Yeah, I guess. Fucking Australia. Police (laughs) station where he was charged with common assault, DV, and granted a conditional bail to appear at Waverly Local Court on Thursday, 4th, February 2021. Quote, Little else seems to be known of the incident so far. O'Keefe was the former chairman of the White Ribbon Foundation in Australia, an organization dedicated to preventing violence against women. Channel 7, O'Keefe's employer, fired him immediately after hearing of his arrest. In addition, in the clip that I showed, he uh, is known for interviewing Cassie J when the Red Pill first released and essentially accuse her of fraternizing with misogynists like Paul Elam. You know what? Fear not. We may be going back to a state of perpetual war in the Middle East again, and we're going to be throwing men into the meat grinder of war against other men who are also being thrown into the meat grinder of war. But at least when women go, they'll look great because he is going to allow women to wear lipstick, nail polish, and dreadlocks. The U.S. Army announced the changes citing diversity, equity, and inclusion. Literally die. Well, day? But that's the diverse, diversity, inclusion, equity. Um, the, the, for women in the U.S., the, the U.S. Army, the changes to regulation and grooming standards announced Tuesday morning will mean more freedom of expression as well as some much-needed support. Sergeant Major Mark Anthony Clark from the Army's Office of the Deputy Chief of Staff for Personnel remarked on how the Army's grooming standards was in place for soldiers to present a, quote, clean and professional appearance, end quote. Now, that can also include wearing lipstick, nail polish, earrings, and hairstyles such as braids, twists, and locks, as opposed to buns. Quote, in an effort to stop hair damage and loss... What the the fuck are locks, by the way? Dreadlocks. A whole bunch of times now. Is that all it means? Okay, sorry. Yeah, dread dreadlocks. How is that? What? Never mind. Well, we got to include know, the women of color, you know. Long hair is always great in a fight, as long as it's on the other person. It, it makes a terrific handle. Yeah. Dreadlocks it are does. usually long. It's you don't usually see dreadlocks that are, like, really, really short. Yeah. Uh, but even uh, the shortest dreadlocks are still long hair. Yeah, yeah. Make a great handle. I'm, I'm sure that, this, well, as long as we got our priorities straight... In an effort to stop hair damage and loss stemming from hairstyles like the bun, the Army approved healthier hairstyle options that are more inclusive of various natural styles, Clark announced. Additionally, breastfeeding or pumping soldiers are now permitted to wearing undershirts to better accommodate their needs. These changes come just days after President Biden overturned the banning of transgender people in the U.S. military. Quote, we know that actions speak louder than words when it comes to inclusivity and equity within our ranks, said Lieutenant General Gary Brito. We believe that the changes we announced today are the one example are one example of policies that put our people first. China is uh, promoting physical education to prevent the feminization of boys. The Ministry of Education in the People's Republic of China, totally a republic, guys, has released a proposal on, quote, preventing the feminization of males 
and adolescents, end quote. The proposal reports in the last five years, about 20,000 new physical education teachers have been added and many trained through national and provincial training programs. They plan to increase the implementation of these training programs and recruitment and to strengthen the quality of physical education teachers. The proposal also outlines a goal to more closely monitor and evaluate students for physical fitness. It states, and this is done, this comes from a website that's written in, um, I guess, Mandarin or whatever the language of China is. I'm not sure if it's Mandarin or Cantonese, but it doesn't matter. Um, and it's translating that. So if the wording sounds a little bit weird, it's because it's translated from that language. Except for students who are exempt from physical education, those who fail to meet the physical fitness standards shall not be issued a graduation certificate, end quote. The BBC cites Zi Zefu. Xi Zefu, a delegate of China's top advisory body, has commented that China's young men have become, quote, weak, timid, and self-abasing, end quote, and that there has been a trend towards feminization, which would inevitably endanger the survival and development of the Chinese nation unless it is effectively managed. Zefu believes that the home environment was partly to blame with, quote, most Chinese boys being raised by their mothers or grandmothers, end quote. Well, they've identified something interesting. He also noted that the growing appeal of certain male celebrities meant that many children, quote, did not want to be army heroes, end quote, anymore. The Chinese male celebrities being blamed are largely those known as, and this is what they call them, little fresh meats. BBC reports that this buzzword refers to young Chinese male icons who are seen as squeaky clean, well-groomed, and with delicate features. Uh, think of K-pop stars, you know, that, that kind of, of man. This phenomenon seems to pressure young male celebrities to fit this squeaky clean mold. The reaction to the proposal has been negative, with many taking to social media to voice their anger with their government's sexist message. One Weibo user asked, Weibo is sort of like Chinese social media, uh, one Weibo, Weibo user asked, quote, is feminization now a derogatory term, end quote? President Xi has previously spoken of his hopes that the country will become a world soccer superpower by 2050. This is sort of like to demonstrate China's uh, stronger male um, uh, image, I guess you could say. So uh, th this is what China is proposing. Uh, and I wanted to make a comment before I gave the floor to other people. I know that I saw a lot of conservative commentators like Candace Owens had seen this article and they were like, why don't we have men like this? And they were, and essentially it, it, it the idea is our men are becoming feminized. Meanwhile, China is making their men stronger, right? Or at least they're, they're proposing to do that. And of course there could be, that could absolutely be something that's orchestrated Absolutely. It sure, certainly could be a thing. But I, I just want to say that in the case with the men of China, they are still being used as a resource by the state. Even if they are being, even if there is a program that goes underway, that the purpose of the program is to make Chinese men and boys strong and masculine and tough and resilient and all of these things. It's coming from the Chinese government, and the purpose of it is because they want to take the, the expendable resource that is men and use it 
for the state. So that doesn't necessarily make it much better than what the academics and feminists do to men in this country uh, or in, in, in any other country for that matter that has a crisis of masculinity. Because, And this is why if there is an issue with men and we wanna address it, we should not use the state to solve those problems because the state, and it doesn't matter if it's explicitly feminist, like the current um, government that we have now, or if it's you know uh, more conservative or whatever, if it's going to take an interest in men at all, it's only gonna use them insofar as the utility that they serve. So I am actually quite suspicious of this program or critical of this program, not because they're, you know, they want to encourage masculine uh, values in men, but because the Chinese government is doing it. And, and ultimately they're doing it because they want to make those men expendable in the name of the Chinese government. So President Xi doesn't care about masculinity. He cares about what use men have to his government, right? So th this is an important distinction that we have to make. So for people who are celebrating, let not say celebrating, but like looking at what China appears to be trying to do and saying, why aren't we doing that? It's because that is also ethically questionable and i don't think that we should be doing that to our boys so former parlor ceo john matzi matza 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 like matza balls sounds Semitic. john m made okay. the announcement last week that he had been terminated from the company the termination comes hot on the heels of Parler's removal from digital stores for Apple and Android, as well as the removal of their servers from Amazon. In a memo, Matsu stated, quote, I understand that those who now control the company have made some communications to employees and other third parties that have unfortunately created confusion and prompted me to make this public statement. Over the past few months, I've met cons constant resistance to my, to my product vision, my strong belief in free speech, and my view of how, parlor, how the Parler site should be managed. For example, I advocated for more product stability and what I believe is a more effective approach to content moderation. End quote. Dan Bongino, conservative media personality and Parler investor, casts doubt on Matz's words, stating on a Facebook video, quote, let me be clear on this. Matzen makes two points that, oh, I was a big advocate for free speech and it was my vision and I was a big advocate for product stability. That is not true. That is not true. That is false. The relationship with Parler and the CEO did not work out because the CEO's vision was not ours. Our vision was crystal clear. We needed to get up, fight back. Some terrible decisions were made in the past that led to this, that led us to getting put down by Amazon and others. It was us, me and the two other owners, that were constantly on the side of this site was going to be a free speech platform or it was going to be nothing, end quote. Parler is currently controlled by the board of directors, which is headed by Rebecca Mercer, daughter of billionaire Robert. And once again, we are back again. And you had something very special last week on Wednesday. 
it was a very unique, I guess. Well, no, I guess not unique because it was a, we do have a format for it. That's right. <laughs> we have a format for, for literally everything. <laughs> uh, so tell us about the topic that you chose to speak with uh, Lauren Brooks on and um, how it went. What, do you, what What did you conclude about it? Yeah, so, um, well, I'm not going to say what I included because you'll have to watch. You'll have to watch Ooh, the, drop the it, show Drop in those teasings. Just... Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that. But, uh, yeah, so I had Lauren Brooks on. I wanted to talk with another American about this, and uh, I hadn't spoken with Lauren Brooks in a little while, so I thought it would be good. But basically, we were going to be looking at uh, various executive orders and promised policy changes uh, that were being put forth by the new Biden-Harris administration here in the United States, which was because they had put together a White House Gender Equity Council, right? And so this is something that, um, you know, I, I remember Warren Farrell, Dr. Warren Farrell was agitating for this for a while. And he was like, well, you know, we need to bring men into the conversation. We need to, to like help them because they have problems. I wrote, here's all these books I've written, etc." And so sure enough, there was a gender equity council or gender policy council being put together by the current administration. And so without giving too much away, um, the gender policy council basically accommodates all genders except for men, but all the other ones are gonna be taken care of. All 999 genders minus male will be, uh, is actually being sort of considered in these new policies. And Lauren and I went through the documents to see what is being said, why they're doing it, and what their plans are, and what their agendas are, uh, so that the, the people in the men's rights I... community would know what to expect in terms of uh, how we're gonna deal with men's issues. Uh, you mean the, 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 the ignoring the men's, men's issues and will be just become more aggressive? <laughs> but you yeah. know what? I don't... Ignoring men's issues is the reason why our society will fail. I guarantee it. Like if, if it continues to ignore men's issues, that is the pothole or the, the gigantic chasm, chasm into which it will fall. Because it's always what you ignore that gets you. It's never what you're constantly paying attention to or you actually have concerns for, you're actually dealing with, it's always the problems you ignore that get you. Is that not the case? Like, does, does anybody confused by that statement? If you ignore problems, eventually they come and bite you in the ass. And I just find this absolutely hilarious because regardless of how many genders they seem to think that they have, there are really only two. There are the one gender that whose issues we care about and the one gender whose issues they... We don't. <laughs> There's two. And that's all there are. Even in their cosmology, they can invent as many genders as they want. And they have say, oh, yeah, we care about the issues of these 999 flavors of gender. But there's one gender that we do not care about. Therefore, you have two genders. Gender that you care about with variations for, uh, I guess, added texture. And the gender that you don't. You have two genders. Even these people, these individuals, even the individuals who believe that there are thousands of genders really only believe that there are two. <laughs> there are more genders hilarious. than people, but there are oh, only two. But there are only two genders because once again, there is a gender that you care about and a gender that you don't. That is two. <laughs> okay. 
Hannah, is there something you wanted to say? I heard you pipe up. No, oh, I guess the if I'm going to say anything about that, it's going to be the OCD uh, English teacher's kid pointing out the difference between sex and gender. And no matter how many genders uh, they claim there are, there are still only two sexes. And, well, they're really uh, only claiming two genders, to well, be quite frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no matter how they try to classify people, um, you, you don't have a gender. You don't, you don't, as, when, they, when they call you male or female, they're not describing your gender, they're describing your sex. If you were um, a, the end of a plug to plug into the wall, or if you were an electrical outlet, then you would have a gender, but you, you don't. You have a sex because you're a biological organism. Uh, so everybody's wrong. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Well, I think they were wrong first. <laughs> they were wrong I, first. I, yeah. yeah they, they and were, also, they were they're wrong, wrong first, yeah. in such an aggressive way because it's like they're once again they're saying, "Oh, there's these many genders," and really there are only two: the gender yeah, that the, we care about and the gender we don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, perp, the gender the, that has the, to. The gender that writes 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 the bill and the gender that pays it. Yeah, I mean, the, it's Writes almost the like check. the purpose of all these extra genders is to simply marginalize men. Yeah, you know, the, between this this and the China story, there's some there's an interesting thing. So if you if you sort of juxtapose the two of them, because the, the whole multiple genders discussion is really all about feminizing men. It's not about anything else. Um, it's about feminizing men. If you want to enslave men in order to use them as uh, uh, cannon fodder physically in your military and your labor force, you masculinize them. You know, you over-masculinize them to the point where um, they, they aren't allowed to have any vulnerabilities and any, any uh, humanity left, right? And if you want to enslave men in order to use them as cannon fodder in your social army and sort of subjugate them, uh, as as a, uh, a subservient uh, sex to to the opposite sex for the purpose of controlling the imp entire population, you feminize them, and they're they're not allowed to have any ingenuity of their own. They're not allowed to have any toughness, any independence, or or any uh, autonomy. And at, at the extreme ends, uh, on both ends, you're basically doing exactly the same thing. You're telling men how to be men in order to serve you best. And so you have governments like China going one way, and you have um, ideologies like feminism going the other way, but they're doing the well, same thing. Well, it's the government now. It's a government yeah. initiative, so it's the U.S. government doing this now. Yep, well, it's it's uh, doing it on behalf of the feminist ideology, or rather the feminist ideology is doing what corporations have been doing for years exploiting government power um they've they've figured out their own socialist path but uh in any case it, it still boils down to anybody other than men getting to decide how men should be men what constitutes a male adult as opposed to a male child and uh and that's basically they take take the uh manpower out of masculinity mm-hmm so if you'd like to hear more on this discussion, this is Brian Martinez and Lauren Brooks with the Biden administration and sexism by dividing the sexes into two genders, one of which they don't care about for this week in men's rights. 
Hello and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Brian and this is the Week in Men's Rights and I'm here with Lauren Brooks and we're going to be talking about the Biden-Harris Gender Policy Council and basically the ways in which uh, the Biden-Harris administration are basically going to make feminism obsolete because they're going to solve all of the problems with inequality, right? I mean, like, that's the goal. So if they solve all the problems, then feminism can just retire and, like, put up, the, put their, their um, you know, whatever, their hats, their pussy hats out to pasture and they can finally say, we did it, ladies, we ended sexism. Yes, I had a half a second of hope where I thought, oh, Gender Policy Council, great. It's got to be men and women. Um, and so, and then I looked and saw the mission was to only benefit very clearly, uh, to only benefit women and girls. And I was so disappointed, but not, I can't say I was really surprised. Farrell. All right, so I'm going to pause what? it there. Uh, what, I mean, what, what were you going to say? Oh. Doctor, Doctor Farrell, Doctor Warren Farrell. <laughs> I mean, listen. It, this is—is is this just another case of Biden regret? You know, and if so, great. I mean, wake up. We have been telling you for I don't know how long that you know this system is broken, and mm -hmm. these people who—they're who, just promising you bullshit. And, and what does he do? Oh, Orange Man is bad, so he's he's going to be against the one administration that actually wanted to work with him. Yeah. I, I, it blows my mind. It really does. You, that This was one of the biggest losses for me. Absolutely. Whole, I, I, I really was so just hurt to see that someone who seems to be so logical and how could you just succumb to the 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 brainwashing uh yeah i get it i i think it's um well i i'll tell you lauren i think i know why and it's not just warren farrell he you know he i because I, I was watching him leading up to the election i saw his, some of his posts on Facebook because I'm friends with him there and I also saw him in doing some interviews and they were talking about okay the election's coming up where do we stand right and he said I'm gonna vote for Biden and I couldn't believe what I was hearing but I understand it and, I, and I'll tell you why I believe that and I've said this with other people I, I think I did a really great a long stream with Nick Redding about this I believe that um, there is a contingent or a subgroup within the men's movement that um, believe that men's issues can and should be solved through uh, state action, top-down action, and that action should come from the left because the left is where other civil rights causes has lived, right? The feminist movement of the 1970s was comes from it came from the left the civil rights movement of the 1960s came from the left and there is an assumption and this is the part that i think people don't get there is a presumption that because those movements are associated with the left 
that makes them good movements. And beyond that, there is an assumption that those movements were good movements. So this is what he writes. The Biden agenda for women. Joe Biden is going to build our country back better. Yes, build back better. Uh, after this economic crisis, and that includes ensuring that we got closer to full inclusion of and equality for women. Women. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Women, women, particularly women of color, have never had a fair shot to get ahead in this country. What was that, Lauren? Uh, has anybody taken a look at who his fucking vice president is? Are these people... Well, and and I, I, I'm going to calm down because I remember that you said that this is from his 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 candidacy when he was can't you know when he was campaigning his, from the basement. Yes, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I will calm down. I will. Pusa. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <sighs> okay. Um. Yeah. All right. Particularly so, women of color. Yeah. Have of course. Never had a fair shot to get ahead in this country. Really? Isn't that okay. right, Vice President and and absolutely 100% black woman Kamala Harris? <laughs> um, <laughs> she blacky, she blacky black, Brian. Okay, she, she wore is. she wore Turnbull, she wore Turnbull ends. Okay, She's, she blacky yep. black. Yeah, she smokes she got, weed and listens to Snoop. Yeah, I know. She, she wore them Converse. I, I don't know a black person that wears Converse outside of California, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop. <laughs> all right <clears throat> today too many women are struggling to make ends meet and support their families and are worried about the economic future for their children this was true before the covid19 crisis but the current global health crisis has exacerbated these realities for women for biden it's a simple proposition his daughter is entitled to the same rights and opportunities as his sons he believes every so like his daughter has the same uh, the, uh, should be entitled to the same rights and opportunities to like smoke crack and bang Chinese spies. <laughs> um, he believes that every issue is a women's issue. Health care, the economy, education, what? national security. What? But women are also uniquely and disproportionately impacted by many policies. What were we going to say, Lauren? Every what? issue is not a fucking women's issue. Oh, Stop but, this. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, prostate cancer is not a fucking women's issue. Hey, I'm, I'm hey, sorry. I'm sorry. That I, transphobia I, will not stand because some women okay. have prostates. And those women have it way worse than men with prostates. Some people just have prostates. People of prostate exist. And I will not have you make them disappear with your words. People of prostate, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> should, oh, should, should we then have to corollary people of ovary people of ovaries <laughs> yes. and people of that's right men can also have ovaries we know oh, no. this no all right no. anyway so that you just you're just not caught up on the lingo i get it you're you're behind like warren farrell you just didn't know what gen yeah. what we mean when we say gender we mean everybody but regular ass men okay everybody yeah. else because every other day is men's day so today it's everybody else day and tomorrow because it's it's time all right but anyway um so as president biden will pursue an aggressive and comprehensive 
plan to further women's economic and physical security and ensure that women can fully exercise their civil rights. Biden will improve economic security because that's what the government is supposed to do. Biden will start by fighting for equal pay, investing in women-owned small businesses, expanding access to education and training, and strengthening pay and benefits in careers disproportionately filled by women. You know what that means? Biden will take money from men and give it to women whether they deserve it or not. Expand access to health care and tackle health inequities. Biden will expand access to high-quality, affordable health care for all women, i.e., Biden is going to make men pay for women's health care. Yeah. That's just like word it that way because that's all it is. Okay. Whenever you I mean, see exactly. Biden is going to do this for women, all it is is the government is going to make men at the at the end but, but at the end of a gun pay for things for women. So like if you're the kind of guy who's like I'm not a simp and I don't give you know uh, women my money if I don't know them and we don't have a relationship. Guess what? If you pay taxes, it doesn't matter because your money's being taken from you and it's being given to women and it's also being given to the least productive of all women. It's not even being given to like women that actually have jobs and pay taxes and like, you know, own property. It's exactly. not even being given to those women. It's being given to women who ain't doing shit. Exactly, because look at the language that it says. Biden will expand access. Access. Yes. Well, what woman doesn't have access? Let's let's go down the list of the women that wouldn't have access. One, you ain't fucking working. Number two, you ain't got money. Okay, so what what other women would need to like? Why would you? And if you don't have money, you have access to government programs. So how much more access do these women need and which women are we talking about? Help women navigate work and families. Biden will expand access to affordable child care. So this is going to be government funded child care, which is common in the United States. And it's how you start indoctrinating kids, by the way, and care for yeah. older Americans and people with disabilities and provide paid leave and other important workplace benefits and protections. Now, uh, this stuff is appealing to women, too, because women have a desire to care for those who they believe cannot care for themselves. And it is one of women's better qualities, but it can be exploited if you're a politician that's just chasing after power. And you say, look, I'm going to take care of your grandma and your mom and, you know, the people in the old folks home. And I'm going to take care of disabled people because it appeals to women. Oh, they're going to take care of you know, the people who are less fortunate than me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to vote for that because it makes me feel better about myself. So this is another way in which they pander to women and mm -hmm. violence against women. Biden will work to end violence against women, continuing his leadership on this issue since he authored the Violence Against Women Act in 1994. <laughs> so, so Biden's president now. So I guess violence against women is just going to end now. Violence against women is over, guys. This is utopian thinking, but this seems to work. It's what over. It's a, all yeah. The, all the violence against women's is, is over now, guys, because <laughs> the potatoes in office. I'm sorry. I, I will never refer to him as that other P word. He is potato Biden forever. <laughs> okay. So the last thing that he's going to do when he's president, this is all like the pitch, by the way, something that people like Warren Farrell should have seen like they should have been able to read this because this was out way before he, the election happened and say oh looks like he's only focused on women but um protect and empower women around the world so he's president now so women 
I hope that you feel protected and empowered no matter where you are. You know, maybe you're a female Uyghur Muslim in a in a concentration camp in China. Well, guess what, lady? You are empowered. And those and those fences around your camp, those are just it's like an enclosure. It's to protect you. It's to keep you safe. <laughs> it's a it's a detention, like a, a little overflow facility. That's all. I mean, you're fine. Well, <laughs> Listen, I, I think somebody needs to teach old Joe about uh, boundaries. Um, you know, women around the world, that's not really your jurisdiction, guy. <laughs> no, he's going to do it. And, and the, again, this goes back to what I was saying uh, about the last thing. If why would Biden say that he's going to protect and empower women around the world when the only votes he needs are from women who live in the United States? Uh, exactly. Well, it's because <laughs> but but he's appealing to that female instinct to want mm-hmm. to see everyone safe. So if you right. hear, well, he's going to protect women everywhere, then women are going to vote for that. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm sorry, but it's it. That's it, even if it's. That is the 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 attempt. That's the tactic being employed. I'm not necessarily yeah. speaking to how effective it would be, but I'm saying this is why they're saying it. Now we're going to look at the executive order that he signed on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. Holy shit. Now, fortunately, fortunately, this isn't Canada where they pass Bill C-16 and they basically like have it set up to where um, you know, it, it's similar in terms of the wording, but the, the fortunate thing is I think that with Bill C-16, uh, that applied to everyone, like everyone, every Canadian citizen, um, because, you know, uh, Jessica and Eve was using that to her advantage to get like people to wax her balls and stuff like that in Canada. Right. But here you can't do that the the only thing that you can do with an executive order like this is to basically like maybe put that in federal jobs specifically government positions and and the government's yeah. role right so yeah. it it is limiting but but you know we're only we're 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 like like less than a month in so who knows what's going to happen in the next 3.9 years um so <sighs> Anyway, uh, (laughs) but let's look at the executive order, okay? So, uh, executive order on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. By the authority vested in me as president, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1, policy. Every person should be treated with respect and dignity and should be able to live without fear no matter who they are or whom they love. I don't know how you put that in how, law, but how how about who they voted for? Mm. Can, can, can we throw that that's in not, there? No, that's not in. Nah, we're not. No, nah. That's, no. no, no. Oh, well, look, okay. We're so unity so, and so, healing, Lauren. Unity and healing. But in order for that to happen, we have to like we have to get rid of the Nazis. That's all. But, it just so but happens. Listen, but listen, but listen. But I love Trump, right? I love him. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. I, listen. I, I will make. I would marry. Donald Trump right now. I would I love that man. I would marry. I love him. Okay? Where mm-hmm. where's the where's the come on? Come on, he's, where's my he's, where's he's my taken. respect and dignity? Children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room or school sports. 
Well, Adults? they ain't gotta worry. They they ain't gotta worry about that shit now because y'all won't open the fucking schools. Oh, they got access to the bathrooms at their own goddamn home. Y'all won't let these kids out to go to school. Yeah, right. So adults should be able to earn a living and pursue a vocation knowing that they will not be fired, demoted, or mistreated because of whom they go home to or because how they dress does not conform to sex-based stereotypes. Holy shit. Remember when this was only on Tumblr? People should be able to access health care and secure a roof over their heads without being subjected to sex discrimination. All persons should receive equal treatment under the law, no matter their gender identity or sexual orientation. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, but access to health care and a, a secure roof over your head, the only thing that really, honestly, holds you back from that is money. It's your finance. Can you afford this? Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm sorry, and if someone is not willing to sell you or or rent you their their place or apartment or whatever. You have other options. There are other places to go. You can't, I'm sorry, we, we can't stop at the one baker who refuses to bake the cake and say, no, you bigot, you mm-hmm. must bake me this cake. Discrimination, or I'm sorry, it is the policy of my administration to prevent and combat discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation and to fully enforce Title VII and other laws that prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. It is also the policy of my administration to address overlapping forms of discrimination. Overlapping forms of discrimination meaning intersectional discrimination, you know, like you're a black disabled Muslim lesbian woman well you are really really being discriminated against by the way discrimination is notoriously difficult to prove but it doesn't matter because they're just going to use the power of the state to enforce equity that's ultimately what i think this is about not equality of of opportunity which the only form of equality of opportunity that I find is acceptable is literally the government staying the fuck out and letting people interact with each other. That's literally the only way you can do equality of opportunity without interference, without it like fucking it up. But they're not talking about that. They're talking about equity. They're talking about equality of outcome. If, if, if you're a black, trans, disabled, lesbian, Muslim woman of, of, of size, and disability, no matter what happens to you, like if you're an absolute bitch in an interview and you don't get the job, it's because they were racist, ableist, body negative, whatever. It was they they were bigots because it had to be discrimination. So section two, enforcing prohibitions on sex discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. The head of each agency, these are all government agency, shall as soon as practicable. And in consultation with the attorney general, as appropriate, review all existing orders, regulations, guidance documents, policies, programs, or other agency actions that, one, were promulgated and or are administered by the agency under Title VII or any other statute or regulation that prohibits sex discrimination, including any that relate to the agency's own compliance with such statutes or regulations, and two, are or may be inconsistent with the policy set forth in section one of this order uh b well uh, let me go back real quick um so it's basically says uh that they have to basically consult with the attorney general who i believe is really woke 
and um, they have to reorganize all of their regulations and documents and policies and programs to allow for these, you know, anti-sex discrimination things. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a, I think it's it's super woken quotations up there. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's that's what it says. Absolutely woke. <laughs> The head of each agency shall, as soon as practicable and appropriate and consistent with applicable law, including the Administrative Procedure Act, consider whether to revise, suspend, or rescind such agency actions or promulgate new agency actions as necessary to fully implement statutes that prohibit sex discrimination and the policy set forth in Section 1 of this order. Um, the head of this agency, this is C., shall, as soon as practicable, also consider whether there are additional actions that the agency should take to ensure that it is fully implementing the policy set forth in section one of this order. If an agency takes an action described in the subsection or subsections of this section, it shall seek to ensure that it is accounting for and appropriate taking appropriate steps to combat overlapping forms of discrimination, such as discrimination on the basis of race or disability. Within 100 days of the date of this order, the head of each agency shall develop in consultation with the Attorney General as appropriate a plan to carry out actions that the agency has identified pursuant to subsections B and C of this section as appropriate and consistent with applicable law. So um, if you work at a federal job, uh, maybe step down because you're probably going to be dealing with a lot of people that are going to try to put themselves in a position of victimhood to get you removed from your job and probably take it from you. Um, because that's all this is going to invite is people just weaponizing these policies against each other. I think we got to take yeah. some degree of solace in the people that are closest to us in, in terms of vicinity and like have conversations with them, maybe join groups that are interested in in forming community um, because that's how you do it from the ground up is as far as like, you know, political action goes. Um, I, I don't think that that's as important, but I don't think that we should completely ignore it because it will affect us, you know, so um, so we should be cognizant of it. And I think that that but what it comes down to is we have to like form community and I, i've been saying yeah. this for men specifically for months that that men need to form community with other men because when men get together like i did with that guy men start to to um share ideas and that's a threat to the establishment it really is men coming together is the largest threat this is why they keep us separated this is why they keep us distrustful of each other it is men Men talking with other men are the biggest danger to um, to the establishment, in my in my humble opinion. So, yeah. because they don't, not only do they not need the state, the state is actively working against men. So there's probably a lot of men that know that, but they don't know that they can talk to anyone else about it. So like this is how it has to be, in my opinion. Warren G. Harding is way the cutest. And we're back again to talk about Hannah. Are you ready for this? To talk about I the talk. I am ready for this. Oh, holy shit, though. I was not ready for this video. <laughs> um, oh, my. Okay, so I, what, I, the what video, video was this? This video, this video uh, uh, called Masculinities and COVID-19. 
was so bad that to escape it, Microsoft forced an unscheduled update on my computer in the middle of the screen stream in complete violation of my preference settings that, that were just, you know, middle of the night only when the computer is not being used. So that's that's how bad it, Microsoft was upset and, and had to do something to escape the video. But we at Honey Badger Radio, we, we have the bravery to face these things. And so... Face the muted. With Deborah Pawnee... We uh, we were examining this this uh, research report, this verbal research report on masculinities and COVID nineteen and how, what feminists think of the effects. Masculinities, dun, yes, dun, dun. yes, and what what feminists think of the effects of the uh, conditions caused by by COVID nineteen on men and how men have been responding to them. Um, so if you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> what there was of a show and there's going to be we're going to continue this discussion next week so the whole of our ad this week is tune in for more of this after you've listened to this tune in for more of it next week because it's, more, it's going to be good okay can i just can i can i make a guess as are men somehow responsible for COVID-19? Oh, men are responsible for everything bad about COVID-19 and they're handling everything that can be handled about it wrong <laughs> and all of the ways in which they're vulnerable, um, in, uh, you know, women most affected, of course. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, the entire playbook, huh? Mm, wow! Yes. They like. I, it, I apologize for. I guess I dropped a spoiler there for anybody who who doesn't who isn't completely uh, up to date with the feminist playbook. Oh, I, I every, probably men are to blame. <laughs> women I probably should affected. have given this to you as a raging, but it was like, oh, this is too. And and Deborah did bring it to my attention, so I thought, you know what, we got to go through this with her and look at That's it fun. and talk it's about fun. it. <laughs> if I if I don't have to look at this crap, you guys do it. You take you you, you jump on the the grenade for me. I'm fine with that. Shield your ears, Allison. Shield your ears from the feminist poison. Uh, you know what? At this point, it's not even. It's just like. It's like listening to the, as I've said multiple times, it's like listening to people get away with the Nigerian prince scam over and over, over and over, and over again. again, over and over. And it's like, it's just like, okay, you know, I've pointed out this is a scam so many, for how many years now? Now I think that something wrong with the people who are getting taken with this crap. But that and, being as I said, yeah. it still needs to be exposed. So this is a look at feminist research on masculinities and COVID-19. HBR Talk 167 with Hannah Wallen, Lauren Brooks. Ooh, it was a Lauren Brooks heavy week. I yes. like that. And Deborah Pawnee. Historically, we've seen feminists exploit one main thing for financial gain and political power. Disadvantages, real or imagined, they can convincingly claim solely or mainly affect women and girls, and which they can convincingly blame solely or mainly on men. We've seen them spend decades manipulating the public availability of information to facilitate that effort. This includes a variety of different ways of influencing how information is gathered and presented. They only seek data on female experiences. When data on experiences doesn't give them what they want, they switch to data on feelings. One example, in reporting public responses to the COVID crisis, Feminist researchers admit that increased rates of suicide have affected men and boys more heavily 
but are quick to emphasize that women and girls report more emotional pain, anxiety, and depression, as if committing suicide does not communicate that the victim has been suffering those experiences. They avoid data on malicious or dysfunctional female behavior, instead seeking to blame society's problems on toxic masculinity, and even twist information on female criminal perpetration into evidence of toxic masculinity in male victims, often in ways that they would call victim-blaming if the sexes were reversed in their discussion. They ignore the full spectrum of potential implications attributable to information they've collected or encountered and instead claim it supports their foregone conclusions based on assumptions that color their interpretation of the data. I've witnessed this quite a bit in discussions with feminists who cite paternal child abuse as an argument against equally shared parenting rights. When they learn that data from government sources shows that more child abuse is perpetrated by mothers than by fathers, and mothers who kill their children without a co-perpetrator double the number of fathers who do the same, they conclude that excluding fathers from their children's lives protects them against abuse. A reasonable conclusion might be that investigation is needed to determine whether the cause of such abuse, including fatalities, is related to circumstances that can be changed, and how that can be achieved. Feminists would never explore that because it doesn't involve necessarily demonizing fathers as deadbeats and abusers, while the conclusions they do state are more easily exploited for grant money and political power. Another tactic is to use authoritative repetition of unconfirmed facts to falsely present them as evidence. The myth of dramatically increased domestic violence against women during the Super Bowl is an example of this. It's not based on any data. Feminists who made the initial claim in a press conference cited a report that did not support what they said and offered a quote from a professor who has steadfastly denied that he ever said what they've attributed to him. There's literally no evidence behind the myth, yet it is still widely cited and believed by feminist academics and organizations. Finally, establishment feminists, those with academic or political power or mainstream media influence, have used slander, harassment, censorship, and attacks on the careers of anyone presenting information that contradicts their narrative to prevent such information from receiving consideration in broader discussions of the topics they consider their territory. The pattern of misleading feminist reporting is readily apparent throughout the topics of intimate partner and sexual violence, economic issues, parenting issues, healthcare issues, and education issues. They've been doing this, and financially and politically exploiting the results, for decades. Why should we expect them to do any differently when confronted with data on how men are affected by COVID-19, lockdowns, and the related changes in their lives? What does feminist research on masculinities and COVID-19 look like? Will it, like any other feminist research, be designed to present a man-blaming female victim narrative even though it purports to be about men's experiences and their needs? Will feminists in power try to quash discussion that doesn't go that direction or that explores information that doesn't support that conclusion? We're about to find out. Promundo is, um, it, it says um, it's a healthy masculinity, gender equality. Um, in, in my humble and subjective opinion, <laughs> this is about um, correcting, in inverted commas, um, the view of masculinity. So therefore, they 
present men as dysfunctional women. Yeah, I, I've noticed that that seems to be a running theme with feminists. That men mm. are always essentially just dysfunctional women. Men are men are bad. Women are mm. good. Anything that men and women do differently, the women's way of doing it isn't just right for women. It's right, and therefore the way men do it has to be wrong. And it's it's like yeah. there can't be a, a a way that works based on the female psyche versus a way that works based on the male psyche because. Uh, that would indicate, you know, biological sex is real, and then we're into a whole quagmire of things that feminists hate. Well, remind remind me later on. I'm I'm literally crunching numbers um, on my surveys that I've done, and um, I've been doing some um, mediation and regression today, which sounds uh, a lot fancier than it is, and I'll, I'll explain it later. But there shows distinct differences with not just the way that men um, cope with trauma, but how that trauma manifests. Oh, and, yeah, and it, it's yeah. A, and it's a real distinct, I mean, it's statistically significant, the tests are. And I'm looking at this thinking, this, this is why this is so wrong, because everything from the research to the presentations, to the treatment formation, is incongruent with what how men react, adapt, and move on from trauma. And what what ends up happening because society, uh, not society, but psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, therapists, therapists don't necessarily have to have a degree. Uh, to call themselves mm -hmm. that. There are other titles that can be added to the title therapist that, that you have to have a degree to use those titles, but if someone just calls themselves a therapist, be leery. Um, you know, you may want to look and see what they actually, what title they actually have, what their education actually is. Um, but uh, when they try to fit people into those preconceived like this is this is the one way to do it and it's it's the female way is right and the male way is wrong they end up hindering mm. people's ability to recover from trauma um mm. and even like but, uh, gender atypical people too if you say well this is how women heal and and yeah. you find a woman who is gender atypical and maybe does things in a more um masculine way or in a way that's more stereotypically masculine uh, you end up with a woman who can't overcome a trauma because you're constantly trying to shove her into the victim box. Yes. <laughs> so I totally. experienced that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. I, I, I've experienced exactly the same thing when, when a, a therapist said to me, I, I'd recanted some of the experiences, good and um, traumatic, over the last 10 years of my life. This is going yeah. back a while. And literally there were some horrible traumas in there but there were some ecstatic good things as well but what she said to me is I i'm surprised you can't get out you can get out of bed in the morning and i thought what about all the good stuff <laughs> well and what happens if you don't get out of bed in the morning exactly <laughs> there's venting as a coping mechanism and when you're talking about trauma usually that is seen as a negative adaptive trait, venting. Um, and you'll often see um, that 
men get diverted to anger management in family courts and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I'm looking across, I'm correlating all these with each other, all these different coping mechanisms with each other. And w- one that really stands out is active coping with the, l- the levels of um, strength with uh, in correlation. So I'm looking at active coping and I go along, I'm going along this line with all these, all the, tra- the, the trauma and then all the different coping mechanisms. And I get to venting and there's a positive relationship with um, venting and active coping, which means as one increases, the other increases. So as venting increases and active coping increases, I can also see that active coping has got a positive correlation with trauma, which means it actually it's reversed here which means that as that increases the impact of trauma will decrease in a positive direction um, I, i'll just code it reversed it but then so basically you're better able to uh reduce the impact of trauma by by using yes. active coping yeah and and venting correlates positively with that so for for the men that i've i've tested here um venting is a good thing they're just getting it out but it's not seen in the world of therapy as something that's good it's seen as something that oh crikey maybe they need anger management so if you're in if you're in a court situation a family court situation and you've gone through the trauma of being a, a a male victim of abuse and now you're in this situation where you're fighting for your kids and everything else and you're venting you're trying to get it out and you're trying to do that maybe you're going to be diverted into anger management and that's going to be used against you because they don't understand how men react in these situations. Yep. Because they base it on the model of women. How do you pull yourself out of that? If, if you're in that situation where I'm, I'm looking at this thinking, no, what if there's a man out there? Well, there's no what if. The men out there that are feeling all these negative effects of being victimised... And then someone says, oh, we know you, you men are dying at twice the rate of women in, in COVID, but let's just take a look at it as an issue of masculinity for, for men. And when you see this yeah. presentation, yeah. You'll, it, you'll understand, you, you'll, you'll wonder how I didn't throw the entire cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's infuriating. We'll go on with it a little more. Um, we're going to, like, the, the guy is just introducing his, his topic at this point, and, uh, and he's already, you know, he's not just funny because he's on fast forward, <laughs> but we'll go on. Whole whole range of different issues um, coming up, uh, which I suppose are relevant for work with men and boys um, to take into account. And I suppose perhaps the kind of overarching finding uh, of the report is that films are compounding the impacts of the pandemic, um, both in. And here we have to say banana and other kind of societal um, impacts as well. Um, And the pandemic in turn is also kind of intensifying uh, existing gender inequalities and other. so that was like the first thing like the first thing that hit me was that intensifying gender inequalities uh and they just that's an assumption men are dying dying at twice the rate and you're going to tell me that masculine the the, the sentence the sentence on this presentation (laughs) masculine norms compounding the impacts of pandemic which is in turn intensifying gender inequalities. Literally, I had a mouthful of sandwich and I was screaming bullshit. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. you can't you can't eat or drink anything while you're watching this. Just just, just no just don't talk about how to uh, boost your immune system. No shh. shh. Just yeah. no, that oh, nothing to do with health. No, the, you you know what's really sad about that is the the protocol that was um, instrumental in helping me overcome COVID when I had it is not you can't discuss it on Twitter, mm. and it's it's uh, infectious disease specialists came up with this protocol based on past experience with the uh, substances involved. So if I name the substances on at least on Twitter, uh, my tweets get removed. But if I talk about the right. FLCCC protocol, um, so far, they haven't figured out that that links to a page that describes the use of those substances to help fight the virus. Wow. And, you know, it doesn't, they're, they're so terrified of people not being afraid of the virus, of, of people not being paranoid about mm -hmm. the virus, mm -hmm. that they don't want you to know that there are ways to treat it that can increase your your chances as, of uh you know a, a swift recovery or of surviving or you know depending on like i'm asthmatic and i have a compromised immune system so i'm in two categories that they they were like oh if you get this you're in deep shit and uh mm -hmm. i i had two things that helped me fight it um one of them was in between getting exposed and getting uh developing symptoms i got the first step of the vaccine um, I, an ice princess, yes, I confirm that. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say it, so I won't, but I will just say I confirm your, your, uh, your question there. That is, that was part of it. Um, but the other thing was my, my doctor immediately, as soon as he found out I was exposed, put me on the FLCCC protocol, and I think my symptoms were not as bad as they would have been because okay. I, I followed that protocol. So, uh... You know, for them to come along and say, well, you can't talk about this because people won't be as afraid of this virus. Just because there's something you can do about a terrible problem doesn't make the problem not terrible. It means yeah. that it's it's nature, it's terrible nature is manageable. Mm. Um, so uh, Ty, Ty Brewer asks, what was that acronym? F-L-C-C-C. So, uh, uh, and if you look it up, um, that's that's for people who haven't been hospitalized. There's a similar protocol for people who have, but it involves the use of steroids and other medications that you don't have to take if you're not in that bad condition. And I never got quite to that bad condition because I, I started that protocol as soon as I was able to get my hands on the medications involved in it, uh, which was basically the morning of the day my symptoms started. And... Uh, and it definitely made a big difference. Um, I would still do everything I could to avoid getting infected in the first place, but mm. at least you know, um, you know, yeah. And 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 the drug in question isn't a big, expensive like the the major uh, pharmaceutical companies are not going to get rich off of this drug. It's it's been around for a long time. It is used in both humans and animals. Um, for for other things that have nothing to do with viruses, and uh, but it has been used for uh, to specifically to prevent uh, viruses from reproducing in your system, and it's worked on okay. other viruses. It's not just this one, so it's ridiculous for them to like call it disinformation to talk about it and everything. 
Um, and, you know, unless somebody comes along and says, well, you don't have to worry at all ever again about this this virus because this drug exists. That's like, that's not the way it works. It's just like you don't have to, you don't say that you should never have to worry about pneumonia again because antibiotics exist. Um, pneumonia can still be deadly even with yeah. antibiotics. So, uh, uh, but yeah, um, it's it's definitely, the push for the paranoia is very disturbing. Uh, because it's 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 paranoia at all costs, including mm. attacks on on anything that might possibly uh, treat the disease or treat the virus. It's really stupid, um, but it's 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 very much the same thing as as the feminist response here. Um, you, you have to uh, you have to buy into their idea of what is wrong with men, right up to the yeah. detriment of men's health. You see, the other thing I, I really don't like about intersectionality is, and this is this is this is the criticism I can put across across various different elements, but for now I'm I'm putting it into this, is that it focuses everything on negative. So you you, you research all the negative effects that you know quite rightly you need a, a baseline, but what about researching the things if they think that men are doing things that, that's putting them at more risk a you then need to go and look at what's putting women at risk because 10 women to every 15 men are dying yeah, so yeah. there's still quite a lot of women dying and those what what is that based on what is what is it what is limiting that to 10 and not making it 15 is it biological is it that they're not drinking is it that they've got less diabetes what is it so rather than just going, well, it's because men don't do this, why don't you find the nugget of it? Because then there must be areas where, why aren't more men dying? Is there something that prevents more men dying? Is there something we can then transplant there? Yeah, just something go, we can do. Inter yeah, so intersectionality just looks at something that says, these are the structural inequalities that make this bad. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and they, they and they're looking for a victim, uh, a, a victim <laughs> place, uh, a victim narrative, rather than looking for solutions. So yeah, and it already starts off on on a a dichot dichotomous analysis. Yeah. So you know, it, it it literally filters people through to this means you are a victim. This means you're not a victim. What? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is stupid. And once again, we are back, and it is Brian's turn mm -hmm. to talk and not procrastinate. That's right. About talking. So tell us <laughs> about the show's topic for your call-in, your, your Badger Lodge, and why you chose it and how it went. Yeah, so on this week's uh, Badger Lodge, I decided to, um, you know, move away from all of the sort of, well, uh, black pilling that's been going around and basically talk with men about ways that we can like take steps to um, be, you know, make the most of everything that's going on, be as productive as possible and stop procrastinating, which is basically the name of the show. And the, the purpose is to, you know, basically to help men that feel um, maybe they're directionless or powerless or they are um, they feel like they're, you know, sort of trapped 
in with all of the lockdowns and all of these sort of you know restrictions and and also there seems to be more and more censorship and you know the walls are closing in and all of that so like how best to go forward and then we basically talked a little bit about you know small things like the habit forming activities you can engage in to help you um not just to to sort of like accomplish small goals but also work towards larger ones so that you don't feel as um i guess you know as trapped or as powerless uh, because, you know, there, there are certainly things that we can affect in our personal life. And so it's all about working small and sort of building out from there. And uh, we also took calls from whoever wanted to talk about whatever they wanted to. So, you know, we got uh, a couple of uh, I can't remember exactly what they were, but we did get a couple of pretty good additional conversations, both about like, you know, the subject of rights, uh, the subject of um, what one guy termed a radical MRA and what that looks like and uh, yeah some other things so it was a it was a good call and show people got to blow off some steam to make some comments you know and we also discussed essentially like how to be um, you know productive in your personal life so that was all the right that watch. sounds like a, a really good show so this is Colin Joe exclamation point stop procrastinating exclamation point Brian's badger I'm do, does that sound am I does that, do I sound like I'm mocking some no, I'm not. not not there okay good <laughs> Brian's badger lodge and Colin show so stay tuned for that Hello, everybody, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. My name is Brian, and this is Brian's Badger Lodge, which is basically the call-in show that is uh, hosted by me, and it is for men. It is basically our, uh, I guess you could say it's like our um, space where we go to connect with each other as men and basically just talk about whatever our feelings are, our concerns. Um, we can argue, we can debate, we can do whatever. But I want to create... And encourage a um, an open dialogue between men because I think it's important. And um, I, I, you know, normally I have something in mind for these shows. And uh, this week I was not sure. At first I thought, oh, maybe I'll do something on nihilism. But then I realized I kind of did that already. I mean, it was called. I think it was about being black pilled and how to avoid it. Um, and like maybe asking for, you know, looking for ideas, suggestions. So uh, I didn't want to do do that again. And I also didn't really want to indulge in negativity too much. I want to encourage productivity. I want to encourage positivity. And uh, that's what this show is about. Ultimately, it's about us, you know, um, building resolve, building bonds, building strength physically, emotionally and um mentally and spiritually if 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 that floats your boat i think on some level we all need that so i thought up first talking about doing that and then i decided um i would look at something else i would look at how we can be productive which is why i'm calling this one stop procrastinating and um because i have noticed that people are really really demotivated right now and not just men obviously but i think that being that um, men are usually the ones that have to, that like lead, you know, um, 
the charge. And I, when I say that, I don't mean as a gender per se. I, I don't mean that men lead. I mean that of the people who are most likely to take the initiative to start moving in a positive direction, the people who tend to make up a pretty small percentage of the population, those people also happen to be men. So, and I, I think that we are really, we're, we're demotivated. We've been separated from each other. We've been isolated. We are um, essentially community and um, uh, connection is being broken off. You know, I'm reminded of my conversation just now with Greg Ellis, where Greg Ellis, the actor from Pirates of the Caribbean, he said um, that we shouldn't be social distancing. We should be socially connected. We should be, you know, trying to come together. He he may not, like, agree with the way in which I'm framing this, but I think the instinct to talk to men and to connect with men is there, the same place, right? You want positive growth, and we want to be inspired by the actions of those that uh, take that risk. They take those initial steps. And so like, I'm reminded of, well, I, I, how about this? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little example of what I'm talking about that I saw today that I find potentially is great news. And I'm actually like pretty positive about this because I think it's at times like this where things seem to be like you know at their lowest or or maybe maybe not at their lowest there's definitely been times in history that are far worse than this i don't want to blow this out of proportion but things look bleak right it looks bleak and i think that that's actually the belief that things are going to be bad is what in some ways ensures that it will be because people who think that nothing there's no point and everything is going to go to crap they're actually going to be more permissive, if not expectant, of things to do that. So what this is the time where uh, you need to like pull from those reserves, right? And also look look at people who are fighting and how they're doing it. So um, I was I, I heard okay this the little story about a certain actress named uh, Gina Carano. You may have heard about this story. And that she was fired from the Mandalorian because she expressed, um, I mean, some people are calling it conservative. I don't think it is. She's like, she basically expressed some common sense views about, you know, uh, what happens if you dehumanize people for their for their views and how it can lead down a dark path. I think this is all very, you know, common sense, milk toast stuff. It doesn't doesn't really it shouldn't really belong a specific kind of you know value system i think that it's basically a common sense thing and for that at least we think the mob got her fired so she didn't have a job but what did she do and this is what i think is is more important she ended up talking with people i believe she went on the babylon b podcast and uh you know some other places there was a massive outpouring of sympathy i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's female but but the point is, though, some people saw this as an opportunity. I believe that the last I heard, she is supposed to be because she's always wanted to make a film, which is really it's interesting because she's, um, you know, she was like an MMA fighter. And then she did a little bit of like stunt work and like action stuff on the side. And then she started doing movies and now she wants to make movies. So she's always had this dream of doing that. And 
Uh, ben Shapiro of the Daily Wire called her and basically, you know, I guess he I guess you could say he offered to help her get her movie made. Right. And of course, I believe the Daily Wire had been talking about creating their own media for a while. And when I say media, I don't mean news media or political punditry or anything like that. I mean, like actual artistic, cultural media. And she accepted to my knowledge, and she is currently, you know, they're working out this thing. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, I think that something similar happened with um, something else was going on with a lot of like, you know, people who are more on the right in entertainment that are like trying to do their own thing. Now, some people like Clint Eastwood, they just have fuck you money and they could just do that. And they always like, you know, kill it. But some people like your uh, Kevin Sorbos or your, you know, Dean Keynes or whatever, they they kind of got to work within the limits of their, you know, particular system. But my point is, though, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I, you know, it could be terrible. But the point is, she is doing something. She did not let that happen. That that occurrence just shut her down. And I think that it says a lot about her character. And and yes, we are talking about a woman here, but um, I think that it would be fair to say that Gina Carano is a pretty masculine woman in terms of like her thinking. Yeah, uh, I think I don't think the black pill uh, life as empty and meaningless. I think what it the effect it has, especially for young men, is to pull the plug on their uh, on the charge that they have. You know, I'm not worried so much about whether the charge is right or wrong. Uh, I just like to see young men enthusiastic about life. And, uh, the, you know, I think that the, this is getting off a little bit to the side, but I think for young men, uh, it's, uh, it used to be women who essentially, I mean, uh, buddies around them, or, you know, the company of men around them could be excellent support and advice uh, but, uh, and tough love. But uh, I think it was essentially a woman who warmth and uh, a meaning to a, a man's life back in the day, we'll say pre-1970. So, okay, so now that I, I got where you're coming from, uh, a couple things. One, for older men who are basically like, you know, sort of come to the realization, assuming they didn't accomplish anything in their life or at least anything that's worth sort of reflecting on which yeah. i would hope is not a lot or not like a majority of men um they, they i i don't i don't i i get that you know like the rat race uh or the ambition is gone and all that but i th i would think that when you're getting to that stage where you take pleasure would not be from your achievements, but rather um, your ability to not only acquire, but more, more than that, share your wisdom. So if you have, and I think this is one of the things that's gonna be really difficult for a lot of people if they don't, if this doesn't happen for them. I think it's around that age that you start to really feel whether or not you had a family. So if you didn't start a family of your own and or if you did and it ended in tears, like some divorce or something like that. Yes. And you get into your late 50s and you don't, you know, you, you either never had kids or worse, you're not connected to your kids. 
um, you're going to really feel the the black pill there because you're going to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't have any grandchildren that I can talk to about my life experience that would hopefully enrich them or children that I can continue to share time with or even have children that are going to be able to take care of me when I get to a point where I'm going to be struggling to take care of myself, which might, you know, put me, uh, you know, in a home or something like that. And that can be really difficult to wrestle with if you, um, like I said, if you don't have any kids um, or, or a family that you can look to, or, or maybe like even like nieces and nephews, which even in that in that regard, it's not easy because they're not quite as uh, connected to you. So exactly, yeah. there is there is like a um, there is something about. When you get to that age, and I'm not saying this because I am there, because I'm not. I'm only 47, but 55 is not far away. Um, <laughs> when you get to that age where, you know, you feel like even if you didn't achieve all the goals you wanted, your life wasn't that bad. Like you had jobs and you owned cars and you've, you know, you've lived a life, right? And I think most yes. people... Most people, that's like all they want. Like they just want to have a life that they can look back on when they're really old and say, you know what, I don't really regret that much. Maybe a couple things. Maybe there's something I wish I had pursued or something that. I, but like at the end of the day, I think most people just want to feel satisfied with what they've done. And when you get to those later years and you don't have someone to share that with. And I'm when I say that, I don't necessarily mean a wife. I'm more so talking about, you know, um, uh protege i guess yes uh you know i think that's where the black pill is but there are other ways around it i think this is one of the things that i talk about when i say you know that um talk about the the importance of mentoring i think that that's something that uh uh definitely older men even if they never had families can be um, extremely useful. They have a lot to offer, sorry, to younger men. And in particular, yes. these younger black-pilled men that you're talking about, because these younger black-pilled men are actually going to be filled with much more regret if they don't, at the very least, try to give themselves meaning. Um, and in particular, do that outside of women. Because I think that a lot of times the black pill comes from experiences with women Um where they feel like, you know, I can't I can't find anybody that I can build oh, yeah. any, anything with. And, and I, you know, and I'm just hoping to find a good person to settle down with. But I think that a lot of those men don't realize that most of the work that needs to be done in order for that to happen is them so that they know the difference between, you know, I, I mentioned in a show I did. I think it was when I was talking to Sidney Watson. I said the phrase uh, men of quality and some people got upset because they thought I was implying that, you know, there's only a small percentage of men that are good enough for women. But what I mean by that is um, there are people, men and women, that are trying to be the best version of themselves as possible because they yes. want to be surrounded by people who are also working, doing that same self-work and so in the same way that i would say you know a woman who however it was i phrase it but a, a woman wants a man of quality a man of quality wants a woman of quality as well so 
but like sometimes men have to know what their quality is because then they know what they're looking for anyway my point is with younger men um they they still have time and this is the thing that most people myself included take for granted is that as time passes it's gone you don't get it back <laughs> so like yes so like when you are um when you're young and you know they say the youth is wasted on the young uh older guys probably like yourself see young guys that are you know they're they're having a hard time of it but you feel like oh if i was in your body i would do be doing all these things like i i would you know be taking these steps and making these changes and they don't well, know uh, it because they're they're currently existing in that in that time well uh, what we're gonna thing, say go ahead what, one thing brian is that uh when you get to be my age you realize uh that um uh you you don't have any of uh eventually you don't have any of that oh i wish i were young again uh i would do this and that because you know it's 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 an absurd situation and you know mm -hmm. what 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 didn't happen didn't happen and what happened happened and it's uh, it's like uh and, and you come to accept that and uh i would say um uh, as far as the mentoring goes it, you know, it's a, uh, there's no question, it's a great honor for an older man to be able to uh, mentor younger men, even one or a hundred. And, uh, but the thing of it is, is a couple of things. One is, uh, I don't see um, younger men today, uh, well, first of all, things are moving so fast, uh, Doge, that, uh, you know, like, the technology like i had i've been trying to get on to uh discord for weeks and weeks and uh, you know it's like uh, the the world has moved ahead of me and so i can only mentor in certain maybe cosmological ways but uh not to sound uh too inflated but uh, uh first of all the move the world moves very fast Secondly, um, I think with these younger men, uh, especially of maybe the Zoomer, um, uh, what are they called? The uh, millennials. Gen Z or the millennials? <laughs> Which one? Uh, well, both. Okay. I think I think that they have uh, a little more of a father hunger, or a, a hunger for an older man in their lives. Whereas, you know, when I was a kid. All we knew about my father's generation was that they were sending us to another goddamn war. They weren't sending their best. Yes, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we we were arrogant know-it-alls, but uh, you know that's partly what a mentor is there for. You know, he is not. He's too. He's too old to be in competition with the young bucks, uh, but he can. He can give them a few pointers. Mm hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think that I th well, I, I think that. Um, well, look at look at how popular Jordan Peterson became, especially yeah. with millennial and Zoomer men. I think it's because, yes, you're right. I think they're craving. Uh, at the very least, interactions with men who are more worldly or more wise, more experienced and, and men who've seen, you know, war 
because like, and I think that the the sep- like like separating men from each other like that's that's on purpose that's by design because if yes. if these young men knew like that are alive today in the most comfortable the most uh convenient the the most like despite all the problems it's the best time to be alive in human history and yet it is at that point it's because of that that we are so vulnerable to losing everything you know all of the freedoms that we have all of the luxury that we have all that we have because we take it for granted but that's because we don't also have people around us that are saying you know, even if it sounds like some boomer shit to say, when I was your age, things were like this, right? But there's yes. a reason why we need to hear that stuff because it's sort of like it reminds us like all that we have that we've taken for granted can be gone in an instant if we aren't adamant at all times. So like I think and and men, they, uh, you know, young men, they um, they like, I think. Uh, and I, I guess I include myself among them. They like knowing that they have a higher purpose outside of just their life, you know, yes. and just like what their immediate goals are. But there is something else, something, you know, maybe the, about the human condition, maybe about their nation, whatever it is, maybe about our culture. Where you put it, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm saying that I think that they want to feel like they that their life has meaning outside of itself, but also itself. Right. And the black pill is especially bad for them because um, it, you know, it, it, it first of all, it, it frames everything in terms of like most of the time it's 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 about women because women are a big part of. <laughs> well, no, it's true, because I think women are a big part of men's measure of their meaning. So when a man is successful yes. with a woman and she's a good woman and they stay together and then and they're talking about getting married and having children, most men feel really fulfilled by that and so that's what they want. But yes. They also need to find meaning in, in things outside of women. And yes. the irony of that is is that if they find things outside of women, they're actually going to be more successful with women because they're going to find their own worth, their own self-worth and they will apply that going forward so that there will be um they will find they will be able to find a woman of quality if that makes sense so well that that's the nail on the head uh also um the trouble with the succeeding generations is they're getting further and further from uh uh physical contact especially with one another and the earth and there's something i believe about having your hands in the dirt and being around other men in the flesh uh, that is uh, uh, very grounding and it's um, uh, also very, very supportive. And whereas being in a virtual world, it, yes, it, uh, it's not completely valueless by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I, I just wish there was a way, I wish this damn virus would I don't know, skedaddle back to it's not it's not the virus. It's the it's what the government's doing surrounding the virus. But I I take your point. Absolutely. And I I think that that well, that's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, But yeah, so like, I guess in summarization, because I got to move on to the next person. Yes. Um, So I think that with older men, they 
they actually, it, when you have a lot of free time, it can probably feel like, um, you know, your life has lost what little purpose it may have had. But I think that in there lies opportunity to uh, sh- share the, 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 the boundless wisdom that you have as a person who's lived a life as long yeah. as you have with other younger men who are looking for that wisdom because men are and that young men want to know what is the right thing to do how do i become a man they're always asking themselves that even if it's not out loud and yes. it's other men that can help them with that and so like i do think that that part of what may even cause this nihilism or the black pill or both is the um is like men being disconnected from other men. I, I, that's what I think. So. I, I, and you're not going to get any argument over here. I, I think you're absolutely right. Okay, Mike, deliver the funnies via airdrop or, or however you do that. So you have to imagine this, this policy of, of letting U.S. soldiers wear lipstick and locks and stuff. At some point, this news landed on the desk of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> to imagine how heartily he laughed. <laughs> and for decades, they were saying, these Americans, they are feminized. They cannot do anything. And yeah, it's all validated at this point. It's all vindicated. <laughs> Welcome to the subterranean lair under subterranean lair everywhere we go men are being shamed they're being shamed for being men for being masculine for their interests for their lack of interest for how they express their emotions or don't express their emotions at all you want to just suck it up and tough it out but that's shame too being stoic is the reason why women are hurt don't you know or at least that's what they say imagine a community where men don't need women's permission to be men, where women have men's back, because as strong as you are, sometimes you need someone to notice you and take a moment to show that they care. Imagine the Honey Badger Radio community, men and women coming together to be their best selves and support each other overcoming all the messages that men and masculinity are bad and to blame for the world's ills. If you're interested in joining that community, and taking your place by our side, helping us build a more compassionate, a more just, and just plain funny world, then go to feedthebadger.com. Support our community. Take part. Help us build something great together. The world needs masculinity. It needs men. It needs you. We recognize that. Support that recognition. Feedthebadger.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.